Welcome to our very first episode of Two Dudes Watch, a bonus episode where we will be covering and watching whatever we want. My name is Evan. And my name is Alex. And like Evan said, we are venturing into our first live action, well, actually non-Batman live action (laughs) coverage. So we are... um, You know, I was trying to think of a way to justify this, but so today we're covering everything, everywhere, all at once. And you don't know how hard it was for me to just say that title, (laughs) because it is quite the tongue twister. But Uh, the way I justify this, spoilers for the movie, she does travel to an animated universe at one point, so we're just covering some multiversal content here. (laughs) um, Here's my justification. Sometimes we just want to talk about stuff. And you yeah. don't want to have to do a whole concept episode like the Batman episodes. <laughs> I don't want to do a whole true crime podcast. Well, so I was thinking about it. We did Justice League, too. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. so we've done Justice League and Batman. And I was like, wait, Batman is in all those movies. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, this is good. We, we need to do some more uh, branching out anyways. We We love covering animated things. But this is like as animated as a live action movie can get. It, it, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, this is super cartoony in all the best ways. It's zany. It's fun. Without getting just into too much of the plot, this may be one of my favorite original movies I've seen in, in quite some time. I agree. But also, it may be one of the only original movies we've seen in a long time. You know what I mean? <laughs> the everything caveat, is yeah. Just, yeah, everything is just Marvel, Disney, Star Wars. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's reimagined DC, property. Like, yeah, so this is incredibly original, out of the box. Super um, fresh. Wikipedia describes it as an American absurdist science fiction comedy drama film. And that was the thing. I've been trying to get everyone to watch this. And when they're like, well, what's it about or what's it like? And I was like, it's a sci-fi <laughs> action comedy indie drama. A little bit of everything. But um, it's supremely entertaining. Yeah, you know what I've been saying? I say an emotionally filled sci-fi comedy. <laughs> it's hard. Good. It's so hard to describe, but that's part of what makes uh-huh. this movie so fucking great. Am I right? Like, <laughs> you can't put this movie in a box. You if cannot. someone was like, oh, like, tell me a, a different movie I would have seen that's like it. I would have been like, you have not seen a movie like this. I feel like people hone in on the sci-fi and they're like, that's they're such like, a, oh, is yeah. it? Is it like Interstellar? I was like, no, no. it's <laughs> takes place in a laundromat. <laughs> it takes place in an IRS building from start yeah. to finish with <laughs> with some laundromat slash home scenes. Uh-huh. Oh my god, no. Okay, so we've hyped it up. We could talk about how awesome this movie was, but we got to get into some spoilers. So let's get into. Um, let's start with the cast actually, because the cast is so amazing. Okay. I, I I know he's not the lead, but I have to start with my man Waymond. So <laughs> this is this is iconic. Okay, uh-huh. instantly recognizable. How many years later? How many years has it been since yeah. we've seen this man? He was not a man last time we saw him. Okay, he was so a child. He, he's he 
he's okay. He's like part of my childhood. And so just seeing him and hearing him on the screen, I haven't even uh-huh. said his name. So it's Ki Hu Kwan. What a legend. This man was in Indiana Jones and mm-hmm. he was in The Goonies. Two just I've, iconic movies. I've seen neither of those. Evan, oh my God, you've ruined my point. Okay, <laughs> I love The Goonies. The Goonies was one of my like repeat childhood movies. And so hearing his voice, I instantly was like, oh my God, I know who this is. This man has not been acting for so long and just comes back and is like, gonna drop another instant classic. Get ready, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but here's one of the, the sad things. So he was in both of those giant blockbuster movies. I know their cultural impact. I've heard of them. I haven't watched them. But after that. Oh, have you heard of Indiana Jones? That's good. <laughs> You've never seen Indiana Jones? I can't believe I, I skipped mean, I over have, that. I'm I sorry. Have. I'm sure I have as a child, but I probably haven't seen it past the age of six okay. or seven. Or I, okay. I, w- I won't keep roasting you on it. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, he talks about this in his interviews, talking about uh, this movie now, is that after that, the roles dried up. There were no more prominent <sighs> roles for Asian American actors. That's so Up sad. Until recently with crazy rich Asians, with Shang-Chi, with like, there's been a shift recently where more of these stories are being told. And so this man, God bless this man is in this movie. Yes. Cause he's a he, showstopper. Oh, he stole. I, I don't want to say he stole the show. Cause there are so many standouts in this movie, but his, yes. he, yeah. he's got an intro fight scene, if you will. And it's reminiscent, like it reminded me of like an old school Jackie Chan movie. And then to find mm-hmm. out he did it himself, um, yeah. just amazing, like chef's incredible. kiss, like I, just incredible. So he was one of the really good like action and acting parts of the movie because he plays two different characters and mm-hmm. he does it so freaking well oh my god i'm just gonna gush over this movie the whole time if anyone hasn't caught on so if for some reason you didn't like this movie this may not be the podcast for you because i don't (laughs) think i have a bad thing to say about this movie neither do i no um i want to dig into that fight scene later but uh, yeah yeah let's keep going character let's talk about the main character first because it was rude i I skipped over her in all honesty um evelyn is a chinese immigrant um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she was born in China. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And she owns a laundromat with her husband, uh, Wayman. So the, the two of them, they own a laundromat together. And Evelyn, just from the jump, you can tell is pretty unfulfilled. Michelle, the main character, uh, we got to talk about her. So she is a ballerina or uh, well, so she's an actress, but she was a ballerina. And she was watching the fight scenes. And she literally was like, I could do this. This is not in this movie. This was a while ago. But just I'm so impressed. I don't know how to describe just the freshness of this movie. I think that was what I really took out of this is it all felt very fresh and new and just so exciting. It was action packed. It was dramatic and it was so well acted. So when I when people call this an indie film, that almost feels like a disservice to it. Like, yes, it is an independent film. But it does not have the budget or the work or like the the whatever of an indie film like this is a this is like on par with the Marvel movies that we see year in and year out as far as storytelling, cast, uh, action, drama, comedy. This had it all. This is literally Mm what. Oh, my God. Sorry. Okay, I I can't just keep. We got to talk about like actual things, not just my excitement. Uh, You you just taught me a fun fact about Michelle Yeoh. I didn't know she was a ballerina. I've always known her as an action Mm -hmm. uh, actress. She was in probably most notably known in the West for doing 
Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yes. She was a Bond girl in Tomorrow Never Dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know she was, it was in one of Jackie Chan's movies. She, she acted opposite of him. It was in like one of the super cop movies, I think, mm-hmm. but she has a long history of being one of these action performers. More recently, she was the matriarch in Crazy Rich Asians. I didn't love that movie, but I thought oh, she I was missed phenomenal that. in this. I didn't even yeah. catch that she was that was her, but it is her. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love when I to me that's like the sign of a good actor. Sometimes when I'm when I can go from movie to movie, and I'm like, oh wait, yeah, that is the yeah. same person. Also, I forgot she's in Shang Chi. She's the she's in Shang Chi. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was gonna say. She's also in Shang Chi. So I didn't know she was a ballerina before that. I, that's I how she started. I was like, are you right about that? Yeah, and no, no, no. So <laughs> she was. I, I read this in an interview so she was a ballerina and she was on set one day watching her like her stunt double or a fight choreographer and, be, and then she was like this is like dancing i could easily do this this is memorizing moves and uh-huh. and what have you and it makes me think of when you see like a football player who ends up taking ballerina like i love the mm-hmm. crossover skill and mm-hmm. think about like where her career has taken her i i, I know she's already an icon but this movie instant classic like i said earlier which I mean, I would be curious to. I need to listen to more her her interviews about this. But like, how, how did this project and her? Where did they meet? How did that's they a good question? Because it's incredible. The yeah, pitch perfect casting. It, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of other standouts in the cast: James Hong, we talked about recently on our turn. <laughs> and in all honesty, is what got us to do this podcast. <laughs> we talked about everything, everywhere, all at once, a few times, and then afterwards, we were like. We should just do it. Let's just do it. And so here we are. <laughs> the man has like 500 acting credits. Yeah. Himself. A ton. Just a never stop working. And then poor, poor Kihi Chan Wayman has like two prior to this. It's the poor opposite. Guy. I know. This, I, um, I hope, you know what? I really hope this does something for him. Because he, like I said, he's in four or five whatever movies. And they're all just such instant cultural classics. I, th- I have a feeling it will. I, I have not come across anything, any reviews, any responses to this movie that have been anything other than it's incredible. Glowing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so James Hong is in this. Also another standout who is in the trailer who has kind of a, not minor character, but not part of, she's not a protagonist necessarily. Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay. Plays <laughs> the auditor at so, the IRS. She Colin Farrell penguined me. She got, I literally, I didn't know it was her. I had no idea until maybe 30 minutes ago when I'm uh-huh. doing pre-podcast research. I go, oh my God, that was Jamie Lee Curtis. What the heck? I'm so, I sat through the credits, Evan. I was on my phone and I yeah. must have just missed that it was Jamie Lee Curtis because she's an amazing actress in her own uh-huh. right. I had no idea it was her, but yeah, so she plays yeah. the auditor. Where in some universes she plays the love interest, though. Like we can't, yeah. You can't discredit all the True. different characters these people play. So in this universe, she may be the bad guy. But in some universes, especially in the Hot Dog Finger universe, she's a, a, a very good character. They do a really good job with makeup. It is pretty... I mean, yeah, I, re- I, didn't, I didn't recognize She's pretty her. recognizable. No, now that I, once I put it together, I'm like, oh my God, it's clearly her. But I, I, I walked out of the theater not realizing that was Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> um, yeah, she's great. She's in a couple of the scenes that people will no doubt be talking about for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then last, I mean, last, but also I'm very much not least. I, you I saved wanted her for last. The daughter. Yeah, Stephanie yeah. Shu. I'm looking at her credits on Wikipedia. 
Uh, she has a recurring role in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently played Karen in the SpongeBob musical. So, I she to me, I, I've seen her, I guess, in a couple episodes of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is a hilarious show. Mm-hmm. She to me was the one that I was like, oh my God, what a performance from her. Because yeah. to me, we get like the 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 two extremes we get her as the daughter who's like seeking her mother and her grandfather's approval and and trying to be very open about her relationship with her girlfriend and her mom the main character this is such an interesting point i want to make but so her mom is not a hundred percent accepting and cool of it like she's she like blames it on the grandpa which is like such a classic old person move like oh well your grandparents wouldn't understand like we can't tell them because your grandparents wouldn't understand and then we get to see the daughter also be the big bad evil of the film she was so good in in my opinion she i just loved every scene she was in you know what i think she is also in what those at&t commercials stop Um, what are you talking about there's the short white girl with the bang, brown hair bangs and then there's yeah. the one where she goes back and forth with a customer and they do different reactions <laughs> like, and it ends with like her with the quickly. foam finger. Okay. Yeah. And she has the different foam hands, <laughs> foam hands doing different things. I th- I'm pretty sure that's her. I, might, uh, I'm I hate that I recognize the ad that you're talking about. <laughs> like that shouldn't be a thing but okay. <laughs> it could be her. <laughs> if it's not her you have to cut this so I hope for your sake it's her. Um... <laughs> All right. It's very much her. It's very. Much it's her. her. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, okay. It's the Foam Fingers AT and T ad Stop. on YouTube. <laughs> it's unreal that you were able to search that. Internet's crazy, man. Okay, Joy Wang was such uh-huh. a joy in this movie, and how ironic is it? Her name's Joy. I mm-hmm. such a small but like awesome detail. Like it wasn't till like towards the end of the film I was like, oh, it's kind of funny. Her name's Joy. <laughs> <laughs> this is just anecdotal. I'm Chinese American. I went to a church of all Chinese Americans, but a lot of immigrants coming over here will pick English names, uh, quote unquote. And there was a lot of like joys, grace. My mom's name is Grace. Yeah. Her English name, Hope, Faith. Yeah, like, I got gotcha. you. I don't know if that was in that's funny. Yeah. But I was like, that that rings true to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That's uh, that's funny. I, I get that. I mm-hmm. understand that. Not to out you, but one of my favorite stories of you is that. You were just in college. Were like, yeah, I don't have a middle name, so you gave yourself a middle name. <laughs> people thought. That, For so I think there are people thought, who still think your middle name is Williams. People thought that was my last name for a while. That was my <laughs> handle for a little bit. Everyone actually thought you were the Evan Williams. <laughs> yeah, it, it came to a head. So my handle was Evan Williams for a while. And people would think that's my name. And then I changed it to Avon Sign, my Instagram handle, which was like just a dumb <sighs> nickname. I think Robbie Gaffney gave me in high school <sighs> that only he really ever called I'm me. Just, I'm and then it came to this. a head like a year or two ago where I was hanging out with people I've known for like 10 years. And then <laughs> this one girl goes, it's Evan Sean, right? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, that's not my name. That was just... My Instagram. So I found that was that was the last straw. I had to change my that Instagram was, handle oh my to God. Evan Leon underscore. You were like, "Oh my God, is everyone saying it that way?" Oh my God. Okay, so back to actual <laughs> the topic at hand here. I can't. Oh my God. Um, joy was such a joy in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so she's a, she's a first generation. She has a girlfriend 
who she wants to invite to their, is it a Christmas party? No, excuse me. It's a New Year's party. It's a, a Chinese New Year's party. Mm-hmm. And her mom's like, uh, maybe she can come to dinner, maybe. Which is such BS because there's literal people that are just like patrons customers. of. Yeah, there's just customers of. <laughs> <laughs> the laundromat that are at the party, but they can't have uh-huh. the girlfriend. <laughs> like, yeah. I, which so dumb. Uh, random cameo? Jenny Slate is one of. Do the... you see what her name is credited as in the no, movie? I, I, that's what it <laughs> So Jenny Slate, she is John Ralphio's sister in Parks and Rec. Is I feel like where most people recognize her from. Her name uh, in the movie is Big Nose. <laughs> <laughs> that's what uh, Evelyn refers to her as. Yeah, but I just um, thought it was funny. They never gave her a name past that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wonder if that's because of the A24 connection that she is doing Marcel the Shell. She's the voice <gasps> of Marcel the Shell. She's the voice of Marcel the Shell. She's the voice. <gasps> A24 is doing. Okay, so you told me about Marcel the Shell movie, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like the YouTube thing. I was like, wow, that's yeah. crazy. All these years later, I've seen the trailer now twice. And I've almost teared up at the trailer. Like, what the heck? It looks so freaking good. It looks and good. the voice, I, I, one, she nails the voice, but two, it brings back like a, a flood of memories that I didn't even know I had anymore. You know what I mean? A24 is a good one to get into with because like, is it like the hipster movie company? Is that kind like too of? harsh to say? I, uh, I think that's their reputation, but also it's like a billion dollar. And that's Yeah, like they're no... Exactly. Yeah. Is they're huge in name and money, but like cool in reputation. Like yeah. these are still called indie films, but by no means should these mm-hmm. be considered indie, I feel like. And really it's just refreshing because everything else has been dominated by massive corporate conglomerates. Yeah. That are trying to sell you toys at the end of the day. Yeah. So um, Yeah. All right. Well, let's try to dive into the plot of this movie. It's kind of complicated. But that's one of the things I love about it is it's not talking down to us at all. You know what I yeah. mean? Keep up because they're <laughs> not going to slow down to explain <laughs> yes, it. Yes, that's you. so true. At yeah. one point, all of a sudden, she has two uh, Bluetooth speakers in and she's splitting between things. And Wayman is like, you got to listen to me. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what's going on? Uh-huh. So the general premise is she gets tapped into this multiversal war. Yeah, uh, recruited yeah. into by an mm-hmm. alternate version of her husband Wayman and Alpha Wayman, Alpha Wayman, and she's the only one who can stop this mysterious she, villain, Jobu. They've been, oh, yes, they've been looking for this specific Evelyn, though, and it's for like the most cosmic, beautifully sad reason ever. It's really and so. Bad. Backhanded compliment. So all these different multiverses in this universe, they're all separate timelines. At some point, a different Evelyn made a different decision, and that was what created these two universes. And so the reason this Evelyn is the chosen one is because she can tap into every other multiverse's special abilities because she's just the one that didn't amount to anything, that said no to all the opportunities (laughs) 
the one that had the 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 most wasted potential, if you will. Uh-huh. It's like really it's depressing. Really, yeah, it's really it's, demoralizing. Yeah, it's so demoralizing because that's what she was struggling with in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. is feeling unfulfilled. And then this Wayman comes on and is like, "You're the chosen one because you're right. You are completely unfulfilled. You made all the wrong choices." <laughs> like, holy it's crap! Heavy. What a bomb! Yeah, and that's first. 30 minutes maybe yeah <laughs> right we're not even halfway through the movie yet and yeah. these emotions the, her actual husband wants to get a divorce this wayman is like hey you're you're right in all these feelings that you're feeling because this is the timeline you've made all the wrong decisions for uh-huh. yourself but oh my god and not to get too spoilery at the end but it's such a beautiful message that even in the worst or the darkest timelines, you can still find the beauty and joy in life. So, mm-hmm. oof, not to get to the end, but wow, I, there's just so much to love about this movie. Like, I just put that point together. That happens pretty early on in the movie. They get recruited into the the multiversal war, but then she just steps out of the closet to go back to the... The auditor. Yeah, the, so they're, they're, yeah. So the actual crisis at hand, besides the multiverse war, is they are being audited by the IRS, <laughs> and they, their taxes seem to be in a mess. I don't know a ton about taxes, but yeah. they have so many receipts, and she's like, yeah. you can't write this off. And she's like, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis does a really good job in her two, three roles, or whatever you want to call it. And so they kick off this multiversal war with the IRS fight scene, which we'll see in the trailer. We see some parts of, of it trailer. in the trailer. Yeah. And this but, is where Wayman has his incredible, incredible fanny pack it, fight. He, that's what it is, is he's using a fanny pack almost like nunchucks, or I don't know the actual name of the weapon, but it would be like a heavy sphere on the end of like a long rope almost that you like yeah, twirl around your body. I don't know what it, it's called, but in Shaolin yeah. Kung Fu, they have like a chain with like a blade at yes. the end of it or yes. whatever, yes. that kind of shit. And that was what he was using it as an, oh my God, what a cool scene. He used his fanny pack to take out yes. so many people. And what I loved about this, and I don't have something to put this put it on, but like this fight scene just felt and looked so real. Does that make sense? Like, it yeah. just felt so realistic. And it made me realize a lot of the fight scenes I've seen recently and things. I'm like, these ain't as realistic as I was thinking. Like, this one just, even though he's slapping people around with a fanny pack. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was just, I don't know how to put it in. He he grabs into the fish tank to grab out the fish rocks and puts them in the fanny pack. That's and is so like, funny. now I'm not messing around. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. You bring up a good point, though, because... I feel like that's very much inspired by, I mean, this is just a guess, but by like Jackie Chan's work, I think he was considered in the casting for Wayman originally. I can Um, see that. But the contrast between fight scenes we see in like a Jason Bourne movie or Casino Royale or this or that, opposed to Jackie Chan's work is like, because Jackie Chan is like a fucking stunt professional, they do longer takes. They're not quick Mm. cuts. And that's what takes away from a lot of the action scenes today is like, you don't, you know, they they will cut it very frenetically to give you this like, kinetic sense, but really, you just don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> so, I think my best comparison, and this is not to just turn into a, a let's crap on Marvel because I, I know there's comparisons we could make, but the Shang Chi fight on the bus scene that was one of the like more action packed fights this last year that I really loved. But I totally see what you're saying. It's a lot of fast cuts, a lot of like quick movements. Where this fight 
it felt so drawn out. It felt real. And it's got to be those long cuts. It's not something I noticed, but you mm-hmm. just kind of telling me that right now, I can I can see what you're talking about. Yeah. I feel like Shang-Chi probably would have done a better job than some of the other Marvel movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, is. I mean, even though Shang-Chi was not my favorite of the Marvel movies, that was still one of my favorite fight scenes of, of the year. Yeah. After the, I liked it pretty much up until the bus fight scene and everything. Stop, Evan. That's that, like 10 was, minutes oh, in the movie, bro. <laughs> that's, that's 10 minutes into the movie. This is, like I said, not to crap on Marvel, but so like of the multiverse, I know you have not seen Doctor Strange and I'm not going to spoil Doctor Strange yet. on here, but this tackled the multiverse almost more. And yeah. I just liked this take on the multiverse. That is not saying Doctor Strange was a bad movie. I very much in- enjoyed Doctor Strange. I'm actually podcasting about it later this evening. But as far as multiverses go... I enjoyed this one more. It makes more sense to me that a different universe is just a a different timeline, different decisions that were made. And there's infinite number of these realities because there's infinite number of people making infinite number of choices. I'm so sorry to derail again. Bonus episode, just all derails. (laughs) Did all of this... I know the multiverse has been around as a concept for a long time and it was popular in comic books, but it hasn't been around in a while. Did Rick and Morty bring on this multiverse renaissance? Maybe. I was going to say that. Um, you were going to say CW. No, <laughs> CW. CW, The Flash. <laughs> Yeah, the, the Flash. No, I'm joking. <laughs> that show um, is still going. What the fuck? I know it's going. Stop, dude. We don't need to do that. That's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad because I used to love it, and it's just uh-huh. fallen so much from where it once was. Yeah. R.I.P. The Flash. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Rick and Morty, I feel like, popularized adult animation again. Mm-hmm. And so it's not far to say, like, Rick going to alternate dimensions and having alternate Ricks and variants of himself and Morty's is kind of what where people were like, oh, the audience will understand this. This isn't too complicated. Mm-hmm. In a similar vein, but you could even go back even further yeah. to another of Dan Harmon's works, Community, <laughs> the Dice episode. Well, that's where it all started, the Dice that's episode, Chaos Theory. That's <laughs> Chaos where it all started. Theory. Yeah, actually, you're so right. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite episodes of the whole yeah. thing. Ahmed <laughs> goes, just so you know, you're creating six different timelines. <laughs> Jeff goes, of course I am. <laughs> Throws it up anyways. All right. Bonus episodes are just us working our way back to community. <laughs> the thing that started it all. <laughs> We're back at community, baby. Um, but yeah, so this this Wayman's fight scene is, it's is amazing. so good. <laughs> How did we uh, get to Dan <laughs> But... Uh, it also features some really great I give action. Dan Harmon no credit for this fight scene. I'm sorry we got all the way there. <laughs> okay, <true>. go on. <laughs> Evelyn's starting to, to fight a little bit. I yeah. think that's the first time she taps into one of her multiverse <laughs> powers. So it starts off on a hilarious note is the IRS ladies coming back to bring them their, their like cart of papers they left yeah. behind. And Evelyn thinks she's about to attack her. Well, cause, because in the multiverse, she did yeah. see her attacker. But so she comes up and Evelyn just boom socks her. And everyone's like, oh, what the heck? It was yeah. very funny. My whole theater laughed. And you know what? <laughs> That's one thing I've realized I really miss about a movie theater is just the shared experience of the laughs, the the oh, gasps, yes. whatever. And you know what I've realized is even worse is when you have a theater and something like that happens and there's no reaction. And you're like, come on, people. Yeah. <laughs> this was you get That's not the worst. To, not to get derailed again, but I also love the theater going experience. Yeah, I've been really enjoying it. Me and Nikki have gone to the theater like three times in the last two weeks. 
I've been going to to uh, Imagine Theaters, which is our hometown. Shout out chain. Imagine! And they have these. Uh, the intro before the trailers is like stop. Don't even a couple personalities being interviewed, and there's always this radio personality. It's like I just love the smell of the popcorn and you know the shared communal experience. I was like, yeah, dude, that's why I'm fucking here. Yeah. I fucking love it. I love going to the movies. I can't. I mean, I understand from like a, a public health standpoint why people might be. We sound like Kim Kardashian. We're like, get your ass up and work <laughs> and go to the movies. Yeah, get, go to the it movies. Seems like nobody fucking wants to go to the movies anymore. <laughs> okay, totally derailed. You know what really bugs me right now is in the movies at the trailers. Every trailer right now says only in theaters i'm like come on i know it's only in theaters you don't need to say only in theaters just say in theaters like they used to another tangent but why was we're on so many different timelines here why was turning red streaming only it's bullshit my theory yes they didn't want to take away from encanto's box office take it came out march yeah you're so right you have to be right because that's bullshit. Well, that's bullshit. I, I was appalled to learn Turning Red came out streaming only because movies are back. Spider Man was out. in December. Yeah. <laughs> it's, they shot themselves yeah, that's in the foot on that one. Just that was so really dumb. Encanto could run, which you know, congrats Encanto, but Turning Red was oh, was pretty good. <laughs> Good I was going to say, what were you theaters. about to say? Yeah. I was like, are you about to totally go back on everything you just podcasted about? <laughs> wow. Okay. We've created yeah. so many different timelines. Okay. But so to <laughs> relate this back to the movie, every Evelyn learns every decision she makes grants, uh, creates a new timeline. And so with these devices that she has been given and uh, the learning of the multiverse, if she makes some sort of wacky cockamamie decision, she can tap into and sort of like split herself between two realities at once and allow her to share skills between the two universes. And what I think is funny is before this, excuse me, before this beautiful fight scene with Wayman, he unspools a whole thing of chapstick and eats it. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? I was like, dude's in a power stance like he's about to go Super Saiyan, but had just downed a chapstick like it was like a, like a lollipop. Like, what what am I watching? Yeah. And then he just starts whooping ass. Yeah. This movie is incredibly absurd, and it's just so <laughs> unexpected. Yes. It's, yeah. Because they hadn't explained why he's doing the chapstick. Yeah. So like, for each, like, each power, I think they have to like do something wacky to tap into yeah, the, yeah. each universe. Because it's a decision – that would take them to a, a timeline more like that. Like it slingshots them to that reality, oh, which I love is it's like, if I do something completely unexpected, I'll end up in a completely different timeline. Yeah. Not to say that this was like complex, but there were parts of the sci-fi where I was like, I wasn't keeping up cause they were just going through it so fast. And uh-huh. like when, when he's explaining the slingshotting and then there's like the little chart, on a map of yeah. the the route the multiverses and the routes. dimensions yeah yeah i was just like okay i don't know what he just said but i get it the visual helps. i get <laughs> the visual helps so that's kind of what i mean is like this while a complicated movie it doesn't talk down to its audience at all mm-hmm. it's like hey i'm going to trust that based off either the audio or the visual i just gave you you're going to understand enough yeah. and i do feel like upon a second or third rewatch this movie will improve my understanding and like lore of the whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I was going to say the other thing is just like, I think a strong point of it is 
that it doesn't rely on the in-universe logic, right? They're leaning into the mm. genre. They're just saying yeah. sci-fi things, and it's it's awesome. I, I love it. Yeah, that. it's great. It, and it, it cuts between R. Wayman at the IRS and Alpha Wayman, who is just – this is so great. I can't believe I'm going to utter this. Okay, Alpha Wayman is in like a post-apocalyptic world almost, and he is in the back of a van with other people who are like the man in the seat, and they're all typing vigorously on like super advanced computers, and Wayman has on this cool headset, and they're like humanity's like last – saving grace to save the Uh multiverse and they're just in the back of a van traversing like this desert like mad max almost like world it looked like Mm -hmm. and it just slowly it'll take you there and then it'll cut to a sous chef restaurant where she's (laughs) like chopping up things and she's got a freaking co-worker who that's a raccoon-like ratatouille. I need to – sorry. I'm cupping my hands to say raccoon-like ratatouille under his hat. Yeah. What? That raccoonie could have been a raccoon-y. throwaway joke. That could have been – It's a whole a, universe. It's a whole sorry. universe. It's like a throwaway joke. It's kind of a, a play on immigrant parents who misspeak. And it's, so she misremembers thinking ratatouille, of ratatouille as raccoonie. And she's like, yeah, the one where the raccoon pulls the chef by the hair and controls him. She's like, no, mom, that's ratatouille. And then oh. they cut to that universe. And I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. Do you know who it's voices so raccoonie uncredited in this movie? How would I know? No, please tell me. Randy Newman. Shut the fuck up. What are you, you talking about? Yeah, what are you-, <laughs> you got offended me. Randy Newman, Toy Story soundtrack. What? That's not a sentence you. That's a, now. Wait, that's a sentence you can say in 2020. Is Randy Newman played a raccoon who controls a chef of like Ratatouille? Are but you also, shitting the, me, bro? The chef he Are controls. Are you shitting me? Is Harry Shum from Glee? <laughs> I think wait, this is in, wild. Yeah, was he in Crazy Rich Asians? I don't know. Everyone was. I think he was. Yeah, movie. yeah. Well, yeah, I think he was. I'm pretty sure he was. I just remember the chef's name being Chad because I was like, "What a Chad move." Chad. Um, yeah. Oh my god, that's classic. I remember that because he was such a throwaway <laughs> character. But so, like I said, from one minute, it's going post-apocalyptic humanity's last saving grace, and then other one, Evelyn is singing on stage at like an opera, and none of these shots scenes cutaways throwaway scenes one she's a sign twirler on an edge of like a a street these are all really well done scenes they're not like okay we need this one shot guys you know what i mean they're like very full-fledged scenes and sometimes the editing of this movie is what really was stellar and just like the the cuts they would do it was visually stunning they did in that regard i just watched a video about this their effects team was a team of five people. And this mm, movie what? looks better than five some Marvel movies. <laughs> like, when Joy is the multiverse monster, she mm-hmm. like touches it. Well, first off, she like rubs her nails and they change all those colors. That was so cool. She touches a dude's head and it just turns into confetti. And it's practical effects. I know. It was like the most gruesome, awesome. It was so cool, dude. Oh my God. Doesn't it just look better? Than yeah. a whole fucking TV show being shot on green screen. Also, is, yeah. this is another tangent. It's a bonus app. We can do it, what we want, baby. Is it just me or is green screen getting shittier? 
Yeah, well, I think it's getting more rushed is probably what I would say. Okay. Like, I, yes. I think it's the I, I don't think it's the green screen itself. Not now that I say that, I realize that's not yeah. what you meant. But it's the people. <laughs> I'm sorry. For some reason, my brain went to are green screens getting worse? But no, that's it's not a different what you fabric. Mean. It's a different. Yeah. <laughs> no, but sorry. here's my example, and it's not because not just because I didn't love this show. I didn't. Yeah. It wasn't my favorite. Moon Knight when he's in the other plane of existence. Mm-hmm. The sunrise is coming up. Don't this you dare very, talk bad about Moses. This is very Sorry. clearly like bad green screen. Like the lighting doesn't look right. I don't yeah. Know. No, I, I get what you mean is I, I think it's that studios now expect more and less time. Whereas before okay. it was like a new art. It was like, a, this is going to take us two years to do. And they were like, whatever it takes. Now yeah. they're like, we need it in four months. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. But anyways, the practical effects in this movie are incredible. They're stunning, and it, yeah, it, it, it shows. It like um, it, it really shows the time and effort w- that was put into it. The first scene where she gets pulled back into the closet that first time, that, yeah, that's all shot practically. So they did use like a green screen behind her, but then they had LEDs screens next to her. And so one of the directors, um, they're both named Daniel, Daniel something and Daniel something else. But one of them before they, and they go by the Daniels. I just learned this. So they also did uh, Swiss Army Man, which underrated oh, movie in so my opinion. Yeah, okay. It makes so I, much sense. It's yeah. such in the same vein. But that shot where she gets pulled into the closet was he had just taken like, I don't know, like a GoPro or something, walked anywhere he was going, took the footage, and then they just wow. compiled all that together, zoomed it. And she had to act being pulled back. Like she's in being slow pulled. motion. Yeah. In slow motion. Yeah. Wow. I love that. See, like, this is movie it, making, I'm, man. I'm this is why. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's Sorry, not a vision. Evan's visually doing it. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? So I decided to talk over it. Um, so. <laughs> okay. That's man, fine. we should do bonus ups more time. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> bonus episode. Okay. So. <sighs> what was I saying? Oh, it like, this is like what movie making's all about, right? Like, this is why I imagine these actors got into the biz. It's it's the classic story. So at the time, I was like, get over it, you old man. But now I sympathize with it. So it's the classic story of Ian McKellen coming back for The Hobbit. And mm-hmm. he's just in front of a green screen. And there's the story of him breaking down. Like, this is not what acting was meant to be about. And at the time, I was like, you idiot. But now <laughs> Shut I'm up, like. Magneto. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. But now I'm like, oh, man, legend before his time. I'm like uh, completely on the other side. You know what yeah. I mean? Because so uh, here's my thing on it. The green screen, the visual effects, they're needed. This movie had special mm-hmm. effects. There yeah. are times where it, 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 computer animated. I think a lot of movies are relying on it. I think a lot of movies are 90% in front of a green screen now. And while shark boy and lava girl was exciting for its time, not every movie can bring that sort of hype back. I couldn't even say it with a straight face. Um, The one I'm actually thinking of is spy kids 3d with Elijah Wood, but uh... (laughs) I agree though, but that's why, I mean, that's why the Batman felt so different than every Mm, other superhero movie is because every other superhero movie right now is just CGI. Yeah. And there's an element of realism. Yes. For as absurd as this movie was, there's still like this very independent film feel to it, which is H24's freaking stamp, dude. Yeah. They're good at it. If for some reason you're listening to this and you haven't seen this movie, go to the movie theater, get some popcorn, get a drink, 
just enjoy it. It will yeah. be one of your most favorite movie going experiences in a long time. I think part of that scrappiness comes from the director's background. They mentioned it briefly in that video, but I think they directed, did a lot of like music videos together where you just like quick turnarounds have to be scrappy, have to figure shit out on the go. Um, mm. But yeah, like this movie looks incredible for a special effects team of, of five. And you know, there's the people who are like, <clears throat> I love where I'm talking about the laughs, the gasps and the whatever. My movie theater multiple times did that when the two of them were rocks and they're having the really deep but funny conversation. My yeah. whole theater was laughing together in unison while reading. Think about nailing comedic timing while reading. Yeah. That's not easy to do in a movie. My theater was reacting, but I don't, I want to say like we almost had the opposite reaction during the rock scene. I think it was just like silent. People were just Well, we were silent and, and then what, everyone was silent. That's that's what made it so great is it was silent. Yeah. It was dead. you could hear a pin drop, but then I don't remember the exact line, but at one moment we all laughed at the same time. That's amazing. It was such a cool feeling because yeah. like you said it was dead silent while everyone was reading and there was no sound on the screen. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden we all laughed at the same time. And I was like, that's so cool. That was so, it was so cool. So in this multiverse, this scene that we're talking, or this universe that we're talking about, I <laughs> guess both life, rocks. life no didn't humans. form on earth or something. There's yeah. no dialogue. There's no music. It's maybe three to five minute scene of two rocks. I was going to say it could be longer. I was thinking like, because there's two scenes of it. I was going to yep. say like seven minutes total of them yeah. just as rocks. And it's beautiful. And it's one of the most impactful scenes of the movie. Yeah. It's profound. It's engrossing. It's edge of your it's seat. two rocks. It's just, and two, it's just two rocks on the edge of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's where they Pondering are, but that's what it looks life. like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's what gives it this A24, like, indie film. That's something that, like, a big box office cuts. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. They're like, I don't get this scene. This needs to go. There's no, there's no sound. What's going on here? Can we have them at least speaking it? Like the box office comes in, not the box office, but you know what I mean? The studio. Just a beautiful scene though, because it's in the midst of so much action too. And they're just two rocks that can't move. Oh, it's so good. The other universe we got to talk about is yeah. the hot dog fingers, man. <laughs> It's so goofy. The absurdism in this is cartoonish. They literally have not like not not even normal size hot dog fingers, like foot long hot dog size fingers (laughs) that are wiggly and jiggly. Yeah, (laughs) and jumbo dogs, and they are wiggly and jiggly, and like they don't grab things very well, so they use their feet for everything in this universe. (laughs) Which has and they like plays sh- out story. It has later. practical use. Yeah. She need, her hands are detained and she needs to use her feet. Yeah. It has practical use for her. So that's what's great is all the throwaway bits and gags, like you said, come up in other. Like no dialogue was wasted in yeah. this movie. Nothing was a throwaway. They it, shove these hot dog fingers in each other's mouths. That's, that's what I was trying to say earlier. I never got strangely to. erotic. <laughs> <laughs> um. But the oh level God. to it, uh, the uh, level of attention to detail mm. for the, even these hands, they were talking about it in that special effects video. It's like they they got casts, molds made of uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yeoh's hands. So it'd be a perfect fit. They 
threaded some hairs in the gloves, which is like, who would have noticed that? I don't think it's something you can even see. They're covered by fucking sleeves, but like these hot dog hands look kind of lifelike other than the fact yeah. that they're, they're flailing. Besides, they're so long and wiggly and, <laughs> um, but they look very real. But yeah, that's the universe where Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yeoh are, are love interests or partners, soulmates. Which uh, is such a nice twist because it's like, what sort of decision got turned that these two mortal enemies now are lovers in this universe? Yeah. And that's – it really nails home the Rick and Morty of it all is like every possibility happens in, because it's an infinite number of possibilities. So something will ha- be somewhere. Um, we've covered a couple of the universes, a couple of the standout scenes. I feel like we should talk about the emotional arc mm. and trajectory yeah. of that. Like the core yeah. of this movie is really the story about Evelyn. And her daughter, whose name I'm forgetting, other than Jobu Tabaki. It's Joy. Joy. Jobu Tabaki is the multiversal monster that I believe Alpha Evelyn created by having her daughter split into many, 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 many different realities all at once. Uh And so now she's tapped into every reality. She's basically everything, everywhere, all at once. She's omnipotent almost, if you will. Yeah. And it's driven her insane to be a villain. It's but. Yeah, which uh, rightfully so. I think it would drive anyone mad. Once I thought about it a little, I was like, oh, yeah, what you'd be like, what's the meaning of all life? Which is kind yeah. of like what she's grappling with. Yeah. And at its core, this movie is turning red, but with a multiversal spin and rated R. Maybe, I don't know. Okay, what, well, fill me in between the, because of the, the mother and the daughter. Yeah. Dynamic. That's the emotional core. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's no, you're dream. right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're right. Yes. It's just a very different take on it, but that's the emotional core. So, Jobu Tabaki is the giant red panda, is what you're saying? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm saying this movie is about the reconciliation. Yes. Okay. And yeah. Daughter. At its core, they have a very similar message, which is interesting for a few reasons. Is these are both like Asian Canadian, Asian American stories, mm-hmm. and while we are we love seeing more representation. It just goes to show, like, this is a prevalent thing for, for Asian households, it seems. Yeah. And I'm not speaking for myself. You and your siblings spoke on this last week. So uh-huh. uh, anyone listening to just this and not our last podcast, we, we, we spoke heavily <laughs> on this last week. Yeah. But I, this movie is super emotional. I was tearing up at the end. Yeah. A buddy of mine I oh, saw yeah. it with was I bawling cried. the whole fucking I time. And that's what, like, yeah action is insane it's zany it's fun the but sci-fi the, is cool in the yeah. third act of this movie mm-hmm. i was i was on the brink of tears i don't know if they rolled yeah. down my face but they were there you know yeah um, misty eyed stopped them before they got too far no one saw and it's just some parts of this movie hit so hard and so real and maybe it's because they take the absurdist angle it allows you to step out of the context you have as a real person in our world and just look at something from a crazy absurdist perspective and then understand things a little bit more from your own. The Rakakuni joke, I was like, oh my God, how many times have my parents mispronounced something? And I was like, mom. <laughs> or in the beginning, there's a there's a, a throwaway line where uh, Evelyn mistakenly says he, mis- not misgenders, because mm. that's not what it was. But she says he instead of she when referring to Joy's girlfriend. And then she's like, that's because in Chinese, we don't have gendered pronouns. We just say they. You, it's either yeah. you, me, 
or they, ta. And I was like, holy fucking shit. I've noticed that about my parents. They've said the wrong gen, uh, gender pronoun yes. before. Wrong referring Be- to because and I was like, of- I'm 30 fucking years old. And that just occurred to me that it just doesn't exist in their native tongue. Hard to translate something yeah. when you don't have a translation for it. Yeah. Um. Wow, that is interesting. But yeah, so the third act of this movie gets super emotional. And so... Joy in this multiversal uh, – uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to mispronounce the evil name. What is it again? You seem Jobu to know it better. Tabaki. Jobu Tabaki is created a bagel with everything on it. Once again, an absurd joke. That's something this does. And you know what? It reminds me of Rick and Morty in this manner yeah. is the more absurd the joke, the more like real and dark and serious it's about to get. Uh-huh. And so the everything bagel is basically a black hole. And Jobu Tabaki has been looking for this Evelyn, and they're going to off themselves together. She wants, like, a joint suicide, right? Like, it's to dark. me, it, it's really dark. Jobu Tabaki is like, the multiverse has taught me there's no reason to actually exist. Everything's random. Everything's chaotic. The universe doesn't give a shit about you type feeling. Mm-hmm. And Evelyn, who was feeling a lot of those same things, had to come to terms with like, no, it's about family and love and being together. And who does she fucking learn it from? My man fucking Waymond. <laughs> All because he went and talked to the IRS lady. Because she was like, it's over. It's done. The IRS is taking all our stuff. And Wayman went and talked to her. And the lady's like, I'll give you guys another week. And Evelyn's mind boggled. Wayman, what could you have t- said to her to give us another week? She like was like, are you sleeping with her? Like, I don't understand. What's going on? And Wayman was like, I just, I just asked. I was just, I, I, I was nice. I explained the situation. And Evelyn's like, I've been looking at this all fucking wrong. And it's like such a light bulb moment. And it's, it was really impactful to me. I, I like, I can't even put into words just how like the gravitas of watching that scene, because I was like, man, sometimes when you get caught up thinking about these very existential things and the universe is big and your place in it. And like, what am I doing here? And this, that, and whatever you forget Uh, like about the people you love and like your family and like what's actually important. You get so caught up in like what's important. You forget what's important. Yeah. There's so much great about this movie that I almost forgot about the reconciliation between Wayman and Mm -hmm. Evelyn. It's so emotional. They take you through this romance of them and just the tragedy and sorrow of them having to leave everything they know to come to America. And he's, you know, Mm -hmm. He paints this picture of a beautiful life because he's a little bit he's like a little bit of the emasculated Asian male stereotype. And this gives him so much heart and so much like you can empathize with this character so much. And I forget what the line is, but he says something about like, how do you just have a positive outlook? Like, how do you stay Mm, positive in, in the face of so much that's going wrong? It's like it's the only way to survive, essentially, is is. Because otherwise, what else is there? Yes, yeah. otherwise it'll eat you alive. This world will eat you alive unless you are ready to tackle it with as much of a positive attitude as possible. And, you know, they were dealt a lot of really rough cards. Like I said, this is the Evelyn who made all the wrong decisions in mm-hmm. in, in the multiverse. But despite all those wrong decisions, she still has joy. She still has her husband's love. 
not to be metaphorical, but she's got joy and love. Like it, you can find that even in the darkest of situations. And it's, yeah. it's not to make light of people in bad situations and just say, oh, just look on the bright side. And not to get like too dramatic, but to me, it's also like a very big message of suicide is never the answer. As dark or as bad as se- things seem, taking your own life in any regard is just never the answer to these things. Like things will get better. It may not look like it right now. Uh-huh. But you just you you have to trust it well with with a little love and joy, baby. <laughs> the montage when God in that third act, the montage of her her having all the recollections of her life with Wayman, I was ready to cry. Like it's so emotional because she's she's doing double reconciliation. It's her yeah. daughter and her husband, and she really she was kind of blindsided by her husband, which makes yeah. it very realistic. Is like the daughter and her have a strained relationship, but then at the start of this movie, we learn, oh my god, he wants a divorce, and he he's like almost a little too timid to bring it up and say anything. Yeah, and so here is one of my takeaways from this movie: is like this movie is similar to Turning Red at its emotional core. A lot of the movies we're seeing, Crazy Rich Asians, The Farewell, Turning Red, focus on that parent-kid dynamic, right? Yeah. What this movie does very, very well, in addition to that, is humanize the immigrant parent experience. It really Mm. fleshes out those two, their motivations, their entire lives. We see it in phases. For me, it's like, holy, you know, I'm so caught up in like, what's my, who am I in this, in the, between two worlds and cultures and all that. And it's like, okay, my yeah. parents are people too. And it's like, they sacrifice mm. a lot to be here. Ooh. And Evan saw, walked a mile in his parents' shoes, it sounds yeah. like. Last week he was criticizing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so there's the everything big old black hole. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, in the face of everything, in the face of the entire multiverse telling Evelyn she's got to kill Joe Utapaki. She's the only one. Otherwise, the entire multiverse will fall apart. She stands up for Joe Utapaki. She says, no, this is my daughter. And she do you know what it reminded it. me of? What did it remind you of? A little bit of Aang, Avatar Aang. He oh, just refused. Oh, everyone is telling him, kill Fire Lord Ozai. And he says, no, there's, there has to be a better way. And that's what Evelyn did. And it goes to show, like, this is the Evelyn who made all the wrong decisions. So it's like, how do you trust your intuition? But she was like, no, I know what I can do and what is right here. Let me talk to my daughter. It was so good. Yeah. Because it's, it's like you said, in the face of every – it's very Captain America too. In the face <laughs> of everyone telling you you're wrong, standing up for what you believe in and making the right decision still. Yeah. You know what? God damn it. I'm ready to say it. Evelyn's a superhero. Evelyn I did is, not consider this a superhero movie, but it is. She's a superhero. Uh, yeah. Incredible movie. I would need to watch it again. I'm sure I'm missing for a sure. million. Uh, for sure. This was just our first impressions. Yeah. yeah. We've, we didn't even touch on every universe that they broke into. The, and so Evelyn kind of does to herself what Alpha Evelyn did to joy where she splits herself into so many different universes at once that she can't really separate them anymore. Uh-huh. And so the, it's kind of like their shared little secret almost is Joe Butabaki has someone who can relate to her. If that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's your parent. You're like, Oh man, 
you're going through the same struggles I am. Let's yeah. like talk about it. It, it. It's really cool. Like it's this big cosmic sci-fi plot and it really just is enveloped in so much human emotion and relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's great is the sci-fi and the absurdity of it all is not a throwaway at all. It really is plot driven and it's used to drive home a point. That may have been my closing thoughts. I, I That was pretty good. I don't know I can top what I just said. I, I <laughs> cannot recommend this movie. Yeah. I cannot recommend this movie enough. Like, holy shit. I was just so entertained the whole time in the theater watching this. Yeah, I would agree. What about so, you? What are your closing thoughts? Sorry to just I, jump, no, jump on I, you like this. I loved this movie. I love that it's bringing... It's, you know, we're seeing more versions of the story about immigrant families and their struggles, right? And it's, it went balls to the wall to give yeah. us a fresh new Hold take. no bars. I want to see more of, you know, I love hearing these stories. I love, you know, representation is an important thing. It brought out a lot of emotion in me. Mm-hmm. I think it's just. Even as someone who's not from an immigrant family. Yeah. I, I was you emotional. Can, like, yeah. That's these not to say this is like. These are human stories at yes. the end of the day. These are yes. human stories. Very much so. Um. I don't know what to say about this movie. I still, after talking about it for an hour, I don't know how I would describe it to someone who I'm trying to tell. Right. I'm, yeah. This is me trying to recommend to the listener go watch this movie succinctly. And I'm struggling to do it because there's so much mm-hmm. in this movie to love. But I'll just leave it with this is the most unique movie you'll see this year, yeah. uh, if not the last handful of years. It's incredible. It's emotional. You'll <laughs> leave the theater thinking about it. This movie sticks with you. You know what? It, it, I- Left, I left the theater and I started thinking about fucking flee again. Not saying that this family had to flee from anything, but sort of just uh-huh. the immigration experience and the whole goddamn like yeah. borders are fucking made up. And so like the immigrant experience is one that, like I said, not as an immigrant or someone who has family members who have immigrated anytime recently. It's still just so touching and moving to to watch this. Like you said, we need more stories like this because it's yeah. very – it's so true. It's just, it's, yeah. I, oh God. I, so I think what we're both getting at is like, yes, the representation hits home for a lot of people, but it is human. It, it's, it's universal yes. at the end of the day. There you go. Yes. Thank and you. And to broaden it to movies in general, it's like, this is why you go to the movies is to have an emotional experience. What we love about Marvel movies about Avengers Endgame isn't uh, Captain America grabbing Thor's hammer and it's like, oh, that's fucking cool. It's the shared experience of, oh, that's fucking cool. We've waited. Everyone was there cheering at the same time. Yes. It's that communal. It's like shared emotion, shared human experience. That's it's what it's the same thing at a football game are. when your team wins and you start high fiving yeah. strangers. It's where else do you get things like that? And the butter. <laughs> <laughs> I just love oh. Imagine Theater. He's gonna come. That's find a really you. niche He's gonna local joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Wow. Well, I um, I don't have anything else to say about this movie. I, I, I know we wanted to do this briefly. Do we want to just end this episode with some animation news? Um, yeah. There, yeah. yeah. Well, let's just get into it. I, I think the f- first thing, big thing that's exciting, I think everyone knows this, Buzz Lightyear comes out June 17th. It looks really good. I finally saw like an expanded trailer of it. And not to give too much away if, you, if you're if you not into trailers or whatever, but it's got like a Planet of the Apes type 
story. Buzz Lightyear flies off planet and comes back several hundred years later. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, wait, what? That is not what I expected at all. But so that's probably my first big bit of news is in June, mid-June, you're going to start hearing me talk about Buzz Lightyear a lot. Hell yeah. Um, this is somewhat related to this movie we're talking about. A24 is uh, uh, looking for an animation executive for TV. So A24 is about to get into the animated game. So we will have more. That's relevant to us. Flagship pod episodes. Um, Oh, my other one, and I'm going out of order, is I'm very excited for this. The Bob's Burgers movie at the end of this month. I'm an avid Bob. Yeah, that's at the end of this month. I know. Get ready. I'm an avid Bob Burger, Bob's Burger watcher. It's like my comfort show. I'll put it on while I nap. I put Uh it on in the background. I've seen every episode so many times. So I'm very excited for that. That's going to be hilarious. I, I can't wait to see what they do. And uh, they're just like uh, comedy gold, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, another two quick hits. I think we can wrap up after that. But mm-hmm. uh, one non-animated, Batman 2 was announced at uh, CinemaCon. Oh, Matt Reeves. yeah, it was. So, uh, the case that's not is animated, still open. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say is it is two dudes related, though. Okay. <laughs> and then what is uh, your last bit of news before other we uh, one, wrap up here? Uh, Nintendo announced that the Super Mario Bros. animated film is being delayed to 2023. So you won't get to hear Chris Pratt go, it's me, Mario, until 2023, unfortunately. I'll I'll say it. We can wait. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I'm okay waiting. (laughs) That news didn't upset me at all. Love Mario. I've played almost every Mario game. Do I need a Mario movie? I don't know. (laughs) I'm good. Okay. We need a dark, gritty it's a me, Mario. Could you imagine if that's what it is? He's <laughs> like investigating the mystery of Peach. Like, <laughs> okay, he's like, he's like, Peach has gone missing, and I'm the guy to solve. He's got like a trench coat on. He's like smoking. I haven't talked to my brother Luigi in years, but I need his help. <laughs> it's just you that's and me, good. Luigi. Um, yeah. That'll do it, I think, for this episode of our very first inaugural episode of Two Dudes Watch. Thank you for listening. Bonus episode. Thank you. Yes, thank you.